to Nature Revisited. When I was making the film, Negotiating with Nature, the one person I really wanted to interview was my daughter. I wanted to add a younger voice, but she wasn't comfortable. I felt the same way when I started Nature Revisited, but with the difference that this time she agreed to do it. I have always felt that it is very important to listen to what the future generations have to say and what they are thinking when it comes to any particular issue. We need to hear more from them. The more we hear, the more we might sense an urgency that we must have before their futures become our past. So my daughter agreed to do a series of phone interviews that look back on her relationship with nature as the daughter of a gardener of her school years and now her life near the ocean. This is the BBC calling. Oh, hello. How are you? Good, and you? Good. Today we're going to ask you a few questions. First question is, what are some of your earliest memories of your playing in nature? Definitely going to the stream, the little brook over the bank, and looking for rocks because I loved collecting rocks. I always liked collecting rocks that looked like dinosaur eggs that were kind of shaped ovalish, and those were my favorite. And I remember keeping a collection behind the statue that we had in the backyard. There was like a broken greenhouse, and I would store them all in there. I also remember playing in Lauren's backyard, which was really nice. There was a hill, so we could go sledding. Um, there was a swamp area, too, so in the summertime, I remember getting my boots stuck, and I peed my pants because I was laughing so hard. Your memories of playing outdoors helped in your development as a person? Oh, yeah, for sure, because when I'd hang out with Lauren, we would just make believe that we were, we normally pretended that we were dogs, I think, or wolves or something. Um, and we'd crawl on all fours, um, and we would just make up this whole scenario. But playing outside, we would always just create these fairy tale adventures. You know, we were never ourselves when we were out in the woods. We were always different characters, whether we were animals or fairies or even when we'd go to the pool, We'd be mermaids or otters or something like that. Um, so it helped with the development definitely of being creative and having to make up your own world with the surrounding that you're in. And it was nice. It was just, it was almost like you would see everything a little differently. Do you remember at all being afraid of nature or being afraid to be in the woods? No. But no, I was never afraid. So your garden wasn't just a few flower beds. It was more of a beautiful perennial garden that just kept growing. Started off with, I'd say, in the front, and then it just grew into the side and then into the back. Your garden has, I would say, like three levels to it. It was huge. Like, 
you could get lost in it. It was just insane. It kind of felt like once you went around the back of the house and you saw this immense perennial garden, it was kind of like a secret garden almost. You weren't expecting it. We we both mm-hmm. know that you had a special tree. Why it was important to you? I think the reason why I was so attached to it was because I wasn't allowed to play in the garden. I couldn't play basketball. I couldn't play soccer because I, I mean, for obvious reasons, I'd probably trample all over your nice flowers because I'd be, what, five or seven and I wouldn't understand. But I think because you didn't like the tree, you kind of didn't care about it. So it was, it was there for the taking. So I was able to kind of take over and have it be mine. The one thing that um, in the garden that you didn't care about, I kind of swooped in. Um, And so I was able to swing on it and play with it. So when you cut it down because you didn't like it, because it was a weed or whatever, it was just kind of disappointing. You were just so protective over everything. And I didn't understand why. And it was just hard to understand when you're so young. Sometimes it felt like you were picking the garden over me. It's like when you built the pond and I came home and I thought, oh, my God, this is awesome. I have a pool. My dad just made me a pool and I went and swam in it. But no, it was a pond for the whole, the whole thing, for the whole garden. It wasn't for me. I just felt kind of like, well, where is mine? Where is me in this? And I don't mean to sound ungrateful at all, but you also have to put it in the mindset of a a seven-year-old who looks at other people's, their friends' houses and how they're set up. It definitely was nice seeing that you were, you were at least outside doing something constructive, which was nice to see, like, you know, you would put all this effort, all this time, all this blood, sweat, and tears into something that every time someone came over, it was nice to show it off. Oh, this is what my dad does. Just so casual. Like, it was just normal. Almost made me feel like, doesn't everybody's dad do this? That it was just kind of weird when I go to someone else's house and they wouldn't have anything. Um, So it definitely instilled a creativity in me, I think, growing up. Like my creativity now is a little bit different than yours, only because I didn't participate with you outside. So looking back on, you know, being brought up by a gardener, Mm -hmm. um, which, you know, like I, I have said before, I think I spent, when you were growing up, I was more concerned about my garden than I was Mm -hmm. necessarily about the effect of my garden Mm -hmm. on you. In hindsight, I I didn't share it as much as I could have, but I I still hope in in my older age that I was able to instill in you some kind of a semblance of the appreciation of nature. Part of what I want to do is this, is to show, is to be honest with people and put it out there that what we do, even somebody like myself, who's a gardener and loves my garden, that we do have an an effect on things by how we allow our children to relate to nature. 
Because mm-hmm. you're creating something so beautiful and so positive, but yet there are sometimes negative re- repercussions. Um, what are some of those negative repercussions? I didn't get to enjoy it. You know, it was kind of like I was a little jealous that you spent all this time and you seem to care more about the garden than me getting my basketball hoop. Um, like, what's so great about a bunch of plants. I'm your daughter. You know, this is what I want. And I know this sounds very selfish, but it just kind of felt like you would pick the garden over me sometimes, which would be hard to deal with because it's plants. I'm a human. I mean, I guess also like if I had a friend over or if Angel would walk through the plants and kind of bend them or whatever I wouldn't care oh that's okay like you can deal with it it was kind of the only payback I could get so so what do you think was one of the positive results of Mm. of my having a garden creating something that you're proud of you know the thing about the garden is it's going to take time you're not going to have this result overnight you have to be patient. So that's definitely a a positive thing to come from it. Just creating something, you know, all these plants, like we need to start growing things, not only because it's good for the soul, but it's good for the, the earth soul as well. And we need to start caring about it more so than just thinking that it's always going to be there. Well, um, no, I mean, you you brought me into nature. You brought me on hikes. You brought me out to play in the woods. And we definitely had a connection there. But when it comes to your garden and your, in the, you know, the garden around the house, that was your thing. You didn't want anyone else to touch it. And, I mean, it's totally understandable you you definitely brought me out into nature and you definitely helped me create a a connection with it but when it comes to the garden and planting things and and moving things around and creating how it's going to look that was your own thing you right. you brought me places that weren't your garden but you brought me places to get connection and that's great maybe that a better way to handle a child. I don't think I would understand the garden as a child, but I understand brooks and streams and little hikes and hanging out in the woods. The woods is is intriguing and it's different because you don't, you come home every day, you hang out in the house and the woods are mysterious and you can definitely create your own sort of adventure when it comes to the woods. What would you say the difference was between my approach to the woods and my approach to my garden for you? Well, from where I am today, I can definitely see a difference between the woods and the garden. Um, Growing up, you definitely took me to the woods, but you didn't necessarily force me into your garden. I now realize that A garden has to be more of a voluntary endeavor, meaning like you have to force yourself in order to create it. The woods are always going to be there. 
I go to it. Whereas for my garden, I have to bring it to me. So for me, I live in an apartment, but I do have a nice little yard and I could choose to just keep it as a yard. I can just choose to have it just be grass and mow it when it needs to be mowed and that's it. But I've chosen to create something. So I had to bring the garden to me. I had to dig up the soil. I had to get pots. I had to get the seeds. I had to get a watering can. You know, I had to get all these things and bring them to me. And then I have to create it um, and I have to tend to it. The woods are always going to be there, but my garden's not. So when I stop tending to it, it's going to go away. So during your school years, I mean, did the schools do a whole lot that had to do with nature? Um, I know in elementary school, we would do some stuff outside, I mean, besides recess, but I know we would do the monarch butterflies and we'd go out and see all the milkweeds. And um, we also had this, like, is it wigwam, a Native American hut? And we would, we started building it out behind the school, but I don't know if it ever got completed. In middle school, all we had outside was, like, gym class, and that was it. I think what schools need to do is they kind of stop anything that has to do with being outside in middle school, I feel. At least when, you know, in the school system that I grew up in. I think that if they would hold classes outside, that's a great thing to do. Not many teachers do it and they should do it more often they think oh the kids aren't going to focus they aren't going to pay attention but actually I feel like it would be the opposite get them outside get them some vitamin d and some fresh air and just kind of have more of a conversation with the students rather than just sitting there lecturing them and talking at them I think that's one great way to get you know nature into students lives more readily is to just go outside for a class High school, I know they did create a garden outside, but I think that was, I think, the year after I had graduated. So there really wasn't much of the, that the school system had integrated with nature outside. I'd say we mostly had it when we were younger in elementary school, but even then it wasn't that much. It was definitely hard growing up. You know, it was, I'd go over to my friend's house and they'd have big screen TVs and nice game rooms and they would have Xboxes and Playstations and, you know, anything that you could imagine they would have. And I didn't have any of that. You know, the only kind of cool thing that I could show people when they'd come over would be the garden, which most people would be impressed by and they'd like to walk through it you know, just one time. And, and, you know, it's, it's amazing to see, but at the same time, when you're in high school, okay, great. I don't, great of a status symbol to have. So I wouldn't really have people come over when you're in high school or not even just high school, but this whole American society values these materialistic things so highly People who have nice houses, who have nice cars, who have nice electronics, who have the, all the new gadgets, you know, nice phones. It's, those are the people that everyone 
strives to be because it's all these status symbols and it's all this materialistic stuff. Your dad's garden wasn't really a, didn't get you too many boyfriends. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, what might have been your sense when you would go to school and then you would come home between the between the two of you that you you did have this place that didn't have all those status symbols, but it did have this garden. I mean, how did that kind of affect you? I mean, it kind of made me embarrassed. Like, I wouldn't invite people over to the house. I'd rather have a sleepover at my friend's house or go over to my boyfriend's house. I wouldn't really have them come over because I was 100% embarrassed. As I've grown older, I've noticed that stuff doesn't really matter. That, like, now I'm a lot more impressed to show people off the garden, to show them, you know, hey, look at this. Not everybody has this, which I think that is more valuable than having a nice TV. College was a little different because, you know, you're you're older, you could do whatever you want, and it's not like you have to ask your parents for permission or anything. Where I went to school, I was fortunate enough in Ithaca that there's lots of hikes and there's lots of waterfalls and great scenery to see. So we would, at the end of the year and at the beginning of the year when it was, you know, still warm out, we would go hiking through to go to a waterfall or to a swimming hole. So were those important moments for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, um, I remember as a freshman, you know, you don't know anybody at the school. You kind of start started making friends with people that were your roommates or lived next door to you or you had class with. And I remember going down to one of the dams and we were walking there and we didn't know how to get there. So we just had to follow other people in front of us who I don't think they knew how to get there either. And if they were following the people in front of them, so it was just kind of this train reaction it was a nice bonding experience with my brand new friends that I had just made at college so I'll always remember that that's for sure oh yeah they had the the best farmer's market I've ever been to they had they had everything from vegetables and eggs and meat that you would buy to already pre-made food. I know there was like Chinese food that was made right there. They had a, a fire wood stove for pizza and then they sold crafts as well, like pottery. As a student, you're spending all this time in class. And then when you're not in class, you're studying or you're doing homework or you're writing a paper. I feel that the reason why People like to play video games or like to go out partying or socializing with their friends is that this is their time to, like, take a mental break from all the schoolwork. And I think one of the flips that I had when I moved up here, you know, I'm out of my partying phase. And now that I'm in, you know, working and everything, that when I come home, I still want something to, like, take a mental break and to kind of check myself out that I'm finding it in other places that's a little bit more creative, like my artwork and all my crafts that I do. And now it's 
planting seeds and doing a little garden and growing vegetables and such like that. So I think as people mature and they find other outlets that are a little bit more productive, that's kind of where the switch happens. Why do you think the ocean means so much to you? I always wanted a pool growing up or live on some sort of body of water. You know, whenever you get hot, I would have loved to be able to just go dip into something. I mean, we had the river, but we'd have to drive to it. Or always wanted to live on the ocean or on a lake. I just like the idea of running into the water or jumping off of the dock into the water. I don't know. It just makes me feel like a kid again. What are some of the things that might have happened or influenced you since you left college? that has made you want to kind of reconnect with nature and try to make a difference? Like, you know, what what has brought you back to wanting to do a garden? Well, moving into an apartment that I now have some land myself so I can plant things. You know, it's kind of hard to plant things when you live in a dorm. So I've had some freedom there where I can plant my own plants in the ground which has helped, and then moving to Portland, which is definitely more of an environmentally friendly city, that just being around other people who are environmentally friendly kind of influences me as well. What do you think are some of the biggest hurdles that particularly your generation, but all of us, face as we try to make a difference? Well, one thing is, like going against the social norm. Like my friends sometimes make fun of me for having a metal straw. That's not really going to make a difference or just the judgment and weird looks that I get. Like I say, no, I'm all set with a straw. People kind of look at me like, what are you doing? (laughs) Another big thing is that it is more costly. It is a little bit more expensive. So you have to be willing to, make that sacrifice, but it is definitely more so rewarding. A lot of people say that there are some big changes ahead for us that mm-hmm. in order for us to really correct some of the things that man has done and is doing, that there's some big changes ahead. Do you think that you, and and possibly, I know you can't speak for your whole generation, but mm-hmm. Do you think you're ready for those? And do you want to try to help make those changes? I mean, not to get too political into answering this question, but it's okay. So if you look at all the generations that are out there right now, the younger generation is definitely more pliable and moldable for sure. You know, they're the ones that we can still kind of correct right now and make those changes. But unfortunately, the younger generation we have a lot more holding us back. We have a lot that prevents us from frivolously spending our money on things that would be a little bit more environmentally friendly or making a difference. So I think it's going to be hard because it's, you know, the younger generations, like I said, more flexible and more willing to change, but I don't know if they necessarily have the means to do so. So the issue is still a political issue. What's it going to take to make change? I'd say that we must stop abusing our planet 
first of all. Um, but it seems like there's not one person that has that political power to do so, meaning we all have to come to it together. You can't just fix the planet because you go out and buy an electric car or you just start composting or you create a vegetable garden. There's so many things that we have to do and it feels very daunting, but you can start by making small changes, but keep making those small changes as you keep going along. And then eventually you're going to get there. Or if you don't, you pass those on to your children and maybe they do. And if they don't, then their children do. You know, it's just because it's not going to happen right now, this instant with, you know, doesn't mean that it's not going, that it can't happen. Are you optimistic about the future? I want to be. Doesn't mean that everyone, that it's going to go the way that I want it to. Not without people making positive changes. But it's also hard because I'm not sure if I'm going to still be around to see said negative impacts. So people have a hard time when they're not, when it's not affecting them personally. Like if I have kids, it would probably impact them or their kids' kids. But I want to be positive. I want to think that we're going to figure it out and we're all going to come together and try and fix this problem that we've created. I hope you enjoyed this special edition of Nature Revisited with my daughter, Tori. If you did, please share with friends and family. Nature Revisited is produced by Stefan Van Norden and Charles Gagan. And do follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. I hope you will join us for the next edition of Nature Revisited when we visit the Vermont Institute of Natural Science for a call of the wild. Until then, remember, we are nature.